Thanks for joining us for today's message. Our mission here at Plum Creek is to help you experience intimacy with God, intentionality with family, and influence with others. Our hope is that what you hear today will impact and challenge you to love God and the people around you in a whole new way. We'd encourage you to check us out online at PlumCreekOnline.com to see how Plum Creek is impacting our community and what opportunities we might have for you or for your family to get connected. If you'd like to support the ministry we're doing here in Castle Rock, the two easiest ways are through our website, plumcreekonline.com give or via text. Just text any dollar amount to 720-606-5563. Thanks again for joining us today. Well, welcome to the second week of Trending. So glad that, uh, that you guys have been participating with us. And if you've missed out uh, last week, we have been, we asked uh, for some feedback and for people to, to put in some questions and, uh, and, and just kind of get to hear your heart and hear what you're thinking and what, uh, what you were wanting to get answered. And so what we've done is uh, we began to look through those and, and, uh, and there were a ton of great ones. Uh, there's some that we weren't able to answer in this and we realized uh, that we had spent some time, maybe it was a message or maybe it was an entire series uh, that answered some of your questions a little bit more in depth. And so what we want to encourage you to do is to go online and, uh, and, and maybe we've put together a few topics. If some of these questions were ones that you had submitted, uh, please go on there. You can, you can get a more in-detailed answer and look uh, at, that, at that question if you go and, and, and check out those. It, 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 that, would be, uh, that would be fantastic. And so uh, today we're going to continue in on this uh, answering some of your questions. And no, uh, we said this last week, we're not going to be able to answer every single one of them. Uh, we're not going to be able to give uh, maybe a fully orbed response to it. But hopefully it gives you some insight and it provides maybe that launching pad for you uh, to be able to explore on your own or in a group uh, some of the questions that you guys might have. But before we get started, uh, this month is a month that we are challenged as Christ followers uh, to really kind of begin to, to, to look at and to, and to pray about uh, the church that is around the world uh, that is persecuted on a daily basis. Sometimes we don't have, we, I wouldn't say, we don't have a feel for what that would feel like. Uh, but this is a month where we are asked uh, and, and, and really kind of challenged to do that. And so, Doug, would you, uh, would you just kind of kick us off by... Yeah, sure. By I, this that? is an important thing for each of us to be able to for sure have on our on our radar and to be praying through and to be caring about and passionately paying attention to. Um, we know it's a big world we live in and there are people on the other side of it that seem far away. Although we live in a in a time where uh, communication is such that we that we're getting information at a faster rate and are more aware of things that are happening globally than ever before in the history of mankind. And so we do need to be paying attention. The Bible tells us that, that we're a body of Christ, right? We're the body of Christ, and that includes our brothers and sisters on the other side of the world and, and uh, folks that are suffering and dealing with things that, that are just even, even just unthinkable. As a matter of fact, this morning I had a, a Plum Creeker send me a couple of, st of uh, statistics. You need to listen to this. In every month, 322 Christians are killed for their faith. Think about that. Every month, in addition to that, there are 214 churches and Christian properties destroyed. And there are, every month, 772 forms of some kind of violence committed against Christians. Beatings, abductions, false imprisonments, those kind of things. Now, we live pretty sheltered from that here in this amazing country that we live in. And thank God that we have the freedoms that we do. 
But we need to be reminded of this. And it's also interesting to, to just kind of hear and understand and to know what's happening globally, to know that the fastest church growth that we're seeing in the world today is uh, in Iran. The, there are more Christians, more Iran, Iranians have become Christians in the last 20 years than the previous 13 centuries together. You guys, that's a big deal. Even in, in the midst of, yeah, praise God, in the midst of persecution, the church grows. But the challenge for us here is that we're awful fat and happy, aren't we? And we need to not be. Uh, we need to understand what's happening around the world, and we need to be committed to praying for our brothers and sisters on the other side of the world. So let's do that right now before we begin. Father, we do thank you that you're a global God, and uh, you're at work in places that are so dark. And we thank you for those that have come to faith. And Lord, we pray right now in the name of Jesus against those that are being mistreated, those that are being falsely imprisoned, Lord, those that are being, whose lives are in danger because of their belief in you. We pray that there would be supernatural things that happen, and we know there are, that just thwart this stuff and stop it. Lord, we thank you that in the midst of persecution, the church is growing like crazy. The gospel can't be stopped. But Lord, would you let it not stop here too? The danger is that we become complacent because we are not fighting for our faith the way we should. So Lord, will you help us to be passionate about living the gospel every day right here in Castle Rock as well? We love you, Father. Be with our brothers and sisters. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as we dive into our first question, I was, I was really surprised. We had so many responses on this one. Uh, it, it really kind of just overwhelmed uh, all, the other, all the other questions. And, and the question is this, um, when in my lifetime will I ever be able to bowl a frozen turkey? And, uh, and so I, I had an answer. It is, it's very surprising. Uh, but tonight, uh, there, the, if you're a student, you're going to have the opportunity to mark that off the bucket list uh, for Turkey Bowl. That's 530 for junior high and, uh, and 7 o'clock for, uh, for high school. Can you guys give Kyle a hand for working a commercial in yeah. this morning? That's a pretty well, big you know. deal. <laughs> You got shameless, shameless plugging, but we love it. Well, you give me a mic, so I mean, I, I feel like it's my duty. No, um, we're real questions now, uh, but really, you can bowl a frozen turkey. Um, first question is this: We live in a, in a world uh, where it seems like the prevailing thought is is there's one God at the top of the mountain, and we all kind of run up different directions to to get to Him. And so the question is this: Is is Jesus the only way to God? Uh, and, and what about other religions? Where does that, where does yeah, that leave it's, them? It's a great question, very relevant, especially here in America. The Barna Group did some research a few years ago and a couple of stats. 43% of Americans in general agreed with the statement that it doesn't matter what your religious faith is because we're basically all following the same, same teaching, this, the same lessons. Here's the more troubling one. 26% of those who would call themselves born-again Christians, so people like us, uh, in America said the same thing. A person's religion doesn't matter. All faiths basically uh, teach the same thing. So it's a very relevant question, thinking that potentially 26% uh, of us here today might be wrestling with this question. So you guys know we live in what's called the postmodern world, right? And with that comes this kind of worldview. Uh, it's called relative morality. And the idea is that we just need to give each other space to believe whatever you care to believe. So I'll believe what I want to believe. Truth is going to be what I believe to be truth. And you then believe what you want to believe. And truth will be what you call truth. And we'll just decide to leave each other alone. Here's the problem with that. That's like a whole new um, perspective. Because if you're 
a Buddhist, you don't believe that. If you're a Muslim, you don't believe that. Um, these other faith-based groups that we would... Um, here's the problem. It seems like Christianity is the one that kind of gets the finger pointed at it in this regard. But if you're a Muslim, uh, you're not saying that everybody else is okay. You're saying that they need to subscribe to the same philosophical and belief system that you do. Are you following what I'm saying there? And so you're, you're actually creating a whole new system by saying that. No matter what belief system you adopt, you're going to be saying that those that aren't like you, don't think like you, are not right. And that the billions of people on the other side of an, a, a perception about things of faith are wrong. You understand what I'm saying there? It's important. So, for example, if you believe that uh, Islam is correct, there's billions of non-Muslims all over the world that that are not right in what they believe. And so we, we have to understand that this is not exclusively a, a target that's put on Christians' backs in that regard. If it's correct to believe that multiple belief systems, uh, to approve of multiple belief systems, because they're all valid ways of achieving spiritual enlightenment, then all of those that don't believe that way um, are also wrong. Are you following me there? I hope that's making sense. Yeah, well, and I just think it, it, it just kind of calls the whole... Um, it calls our logic in, in, into, the, into this question. And the whole idea of can you believe some things that are diametrically opposed uh, to, to one another. And so when you think about the five uh, major world religions, starting with Hinduism, they believe there are multitudes of gods, millions and millions of gods. It is an infinite number. Buddhists believe there is no god. Uh, the New Age movement believes that they are god. Uh, Islam teaches that God is, is powerful, but he is unknowable. And then Christianity teaches that God is loving and he is knowable. So you, you can't have all these diametrically opposed uh, positions uh, and, and, and because th that just contradicts, that contradicts logic. Uh, there may be elements of truth in various religions, but that doesn't mean that they're all equally valid or that they all uh, teach the same thing. And I, I think, and Kyle's going to share some of this, I think it's just so cool that we don't need to check our brains at the door when it comes to our, to our faith. Yeah, because it comes down to when you're looking at different, uh, different religions, you're looking at, okay, what is, what is going to be truth? Like if, if Christianity ascribes to the Bible, uh, if, if Islam is, is with the Quran, if there's all these different works uh, of, of books, inspired books that each religion uh, clings to, you look at, okay, well, what is the validity of that? What's the validity of scripture for us as, as Christ followers? What is that? And you look at it and, and, and you look, it is unique among all the other religions. You look at a book that has been comp uh, comprised by 40 different authors over three continents, spanning over hundreds of years uh, of, different, of different times between writings, but one unique theme that goes all throughout it. You look at the different prophecies that have been in, the, in Scripture, and there's hundreds of them that have been proven. Jesus Christ alone was over 330 different prophecies that were made about him that he fulfilled in his lifetime. And that's backed up not just by scripture. That's backed up by other works of, an, of historical antiquity. And then you look at different eyewitness accounts. If they're going to write these accounts about Jesus and about themselves in this book, they had to make sure that it was true because the people that were reading them were going to be around there. I mean, think about even this, the disciples. If you were going to write a book and it wasn't true, wouldn't you take out of some of the, the stuff that wasn't flattering about yourself? Don't you think Peter would be like, uh, 
I think we're going to have to scrap. There's not really room on the, on the papyrus here for, uh, for the denials. I didn't really do that. We're just going to forget that. He couldn't do that because there were eyewitness accounts and there were other people that would call that into question. And so you see this. Uh, you see in archaeology uh, all throughout <clears throat> Scripture, there's different places in history that is mentioned in, in Scripture. And over like 25,000 different sites uh, by, by archaeologists trying to disprove what the Bible says, instead they end up confirming it one after the other. And then as well, if you look at different works of, of history and you go, okay, we're going to we're going to use this kind of um, method to determine whether or not this is, is valid or not. And when you're looking at a work of antiquity, you look at the different manuscripts. And, well, there are so, much more, so many more manuscripts that support the Bible more than any other work of antiquity. So if you're going to throw out the, the, the Bible and Scripture as truth and say it's not valid, it's made up, it's man-made, then you have to throw out the works of Socrates of Aristotle, of Julius Caesar, of Alexander the Great, of Cleopatra, because they fail way short of that. But yet in history classes, you'll see this as these are true. And so we, as, as, as Christ followers, have a unique position to be able to not only say this is true, but really stand on it by verifiable facts. Yeah, and there's a, there's a great quote by a man that many of us have come to love. His name is C.S. Lewis. Former atheist, so there was a time in his life he was a professor uh, at Cambridge in, in uh, the UK and didn't believe there was a God. He was an atheist, but he made this statement because he came to faith. Christianity is a statement which, if false, is of no importance, and if true, is of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important, and it's because of the things that Jesus taught, the incredible things that Jesus said and did, for example, Jesus openly uh, declared that he was God. He was the Son of God, uh, equal with God. He said in John 14, 16, I am the way, the truth, and the, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He went around and performed miracles and, and healed the sick. Uh, he forgave sin, something that only God is able to do. He allowed his followers to worship him. Sometimes people would just fall at his feet. He never stopped that. He allowed them uh, to worship him. And only Jesus taught that... There is a personal loving God who can be known not only in, in this life but forever. And as his early followers uh, just hung out with him, they started to believe. And what was once just following Jesus because they were captured and enamored by him, all, all of a sudden they started to believe that all these things he said about himself, they're true. He is like no one else we have ever been around. He is actually God in, in human flesh. And then the to top it all off, and I really think this is probably the strongest argument, he predicted his own death and then three days later said he would come back to life, and he did it. You know, I don't know about you, but I want to be with the guy that overcomes death. That sounds like a, a pretty good guy to be hanging, hanging your hat with. We just sang about it just a few moments ago. He is alive forever, forever, and, and, and we worship him. So Christians today, we're convinced that the, the good news of Jesus is something that has global in implications. We talked a little bit about this last week, that all human beings know that there is a God. They just know. They look around at creation. They know They know that, that they would be accountable to a God. And so they purposely, we purposely try to suppress it. We don't want to be accountable to God. But deep down, we know that there is a God and, and that we are 
we're guilty before him. We would be accountable before him. It is the universal uh, human condition. And all other religions are basically saying, here's what we need to do to get right with God. Here's, here's how I can earn his approval. Here's how I can earn nirvana. Here's how I can, you know, make my way into enlightenment. And Jesus, the gospel comes along and says, Jesus has done it all. I have, I have paid the price for you. It is God coming down to humanity, not humanity trying to figure out how to reach, reach God. And, and so Jesus is the universal answer to humanity's a universal problem. And that's why, and Doug, I know this is the whole reason we're here today. That's why we need to tell more and more people about Jesus and the gospel. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you, we talk about it all the time again. It's that GFO life, and it's the way we care about people, uh, the way that we engage in conversations with others, the way we live a, a, a life that puts God on display and being willing to tell our story, share our story with others, and, and to know truth so that we can communicate truth well. So that's a very, very important question that, that we all have to obviously wrestle with and be prepared to answer, but also live the answer. So. Yeah. Well, uh, moving on, and there's a... The next set of questions, uh, we, we got this, that uh, they wanted to know what are some of our favorite verses and why? So just kind of throwing it out there, what are, what are some things that, that you've clinged to in your own journey? Yeah, so when I was 16 years old, I was challenged by my, my pastor in my home church to find a life, a life verse, something that I could kind of center my life around. And I chose 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable, always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. And, and I just love uh, what, what, that, what that verse is communicating because it has nothing to do with the fact that I have chosen uh, to be a pastor uh, as my profession, but that anything I do as a follower of Jesus, anything you do as a follower of Jesus, we know that when we are partnering with God and when we are stepping out and, and doing what he has asked us, asked us to do, it is never useless. And all of us want to have purpose in life. All of us want uh, to make our lives count for something and to just know that anytime we are partnering with God, uh, we are always, uh, everything that we're going to do, it is not going to return void or return uh, or be useless. Uh, another verse, Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good pleasing and perfect. And I know all of us are doing the exact same thing right now. All of us are thinking right now, right? Some of you are just like, no, I, I really wasn't. But now you are. <laughs> all of us are thinking, and we all have an inclination uh, to how we think about things. And generally, uh, we're not always going to do it and think about the things that would be honoring to God. But God wants to change the way we think. God wants to tell us what his will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so I just love the idea that that God is always at work, and when I'm allowing him to work in my life, it's, it's going to affect me, and it's going to you know, put me on the path to doing things and, and thinking the way God would want me to. Awesome. Doug, how about you? I mean, I'm up here talking a lot, so you guys will be familiar with uh, some of the verses that I love, but I love the uh, word picture, picture that the Apostle Paul uses in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, where he describes this life that we're living as a race and that we need to run the race to win. I love the whole kind of athletic metaphor there. Understanding that this is not just a normal race. This is a race with eternal significance. And uh, so we need to run to win. I love that whole word picture that he lays out for us. And if you've been around, you know, you probably, if you haven't, hear me again, write down James 
1.5. I pray that all the time. You guys that have been here are laughing right now because I say that all the time. Pray James 1.5 over yourself every day, every decision you have to make, which is uh, several times throughout the course of the day, uh, just to pray that God would, uh, when you need it, that God would provide for you the wisdom uh, that you need. Uh, so there are lots of incredible verses. Another one that I would uh, have you guys write down and, and uh, work on memorizing and use, I quote, versions of it all the time uh, is a passage of scripture in Philippians 4.8. Inevitably, there's going to be thoughts that come through our mind that we need to take uh, captive and think different about. And so this is one way, uh, Philippians 4.8, you could pray this. Think about how you could pray this verse. I encourage you to pray scripture. Lord, help me, help me. Uh, this one final thing to fix my thoughts on what is true and honorable and what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. To just have that committed to memory, to pray that verse when your thoughts are getting off track. And then some of you that are close to me know just recently I uh, started praying Luke chapter 4, verse 32 before I speak every week. And uh, I was doing my devotions one day and that verse popped up to speaking of the authority that Jesus had, and that people were amazed by his authority. I know I don't have any authority. It all comes from him. And when we teach the word of God, then we're teaching his authority, and I pray that that would grip people's hearts and touch people's hearts. And I remember it because my son's name is Luke. I have four kids, and Luke's football number was 32. So that's how I remember it. For me, uh, one that, that, that has, been, has become a, a life verse for me uh, is Psalm 71, 18, and it says, uh, when uh, I am old and gray, no. what? Not when. It's when, right? Not when. Oh, oh, now. Now that I am old and gray. I know, it comes down in here a lot. It's kind of crazy. I tell my kids, it's their fault. Um, but, okay, sorry, we digress. Uh, now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, O oh God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. I think there's no greater thing that we could do with our one and only life uh, than to truly come alongside the, ne the next generation and point them towards Christ, uh, to show them the incredible miracles and the incredible power and the incredible love uh, that he has for them. Because there's going to be a time when we're all gone, and uh, there's going to be those that follow us. And so I think, I think when we begin to do that, it not only does something for the next generation's faith, but it will do something in your own faith. And so I am constantly reminded when, uh, when there's times when I go, I am old and gray and I am tired, um, <clears throat> that, uh, that I go, you know what? I'm not going to stop until I can, I, I can show this next generation this incredible God that we, uh, that we love and that, that loves us. Um, and then another one for me is, uh, is 2 Corinthians 10.5, and I need this because there's times in my life that I'm a knucklehead, and, uh, and there's times that, that I try to get off path, and, um, and so I, I have to be reminded of this. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and take, every cap take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so for me, when I, when I begin to stray or when I begin to believe kind of a, a, a lie about who I am or about what I'm supposed to do, I've got to take that thought captive, and then I've got to make it obedient to Christ. Notice this. It doesn't say take every thought captive and just have enough willpower to uh, overcome whatever you're facing. 
It says, take it thought, you're that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. It's the Spirit's power inside of me that does the work at allowing me and giving me the ability to overcome the obstacles that I face, the sin that, that, that so easily entangles. Uh, and so I've got to take those thoughts captive and then allow Christ's Spirit inside of me to be the thing that overcomes. Let me just jump in there real quick and say this. Like uh, The challenge that Gary's pastor gave to him would be a good one for each of us to kind of embrace. What are some of your favorite verses? It's probably uh, equally as important for you to spend some time processing and thinking about that. And a good way to do that, obviously, is when you're reading through Scripture, anytime that something kind of triggers you, I journal, so I'm always highlighting verses and writing verses down and praying verses kind of have a list. That one I need to memorize. This one I need to pray. This is just an encouragement verse, whatever it is. Keep track of those things because they can, uh, they'll come back. They'll, it, it definitely will come back and, and be helpful for you as you go. Uh, in our last service, we were answering this question and there was a couple sitting right here in the front row. Some of you know Eric and Margaret May. Several years back, uh, they gave me a gift and it was one of the most thoughtful gifts that I've ever, that I've ever received. It was amazing. And it was simply just, you guys know that uh, where men, you know what I'm talking about, those little plastic tabby things that you put in your collar. Do you know what I'm talking about there? Well, they had bought some metal ones and had verses that they had written down over the years during sermons inscribed on those little tabs. It was, I was like, praise the Lord. They're listening and they took notes. This is awesome, you know. And, and this is months after many of those. It may, I even reflected back and read some of the verses that they had written down to think back how far they had been taking notes. And so another great way to do that is while we're teaching, we always put the verses up on the screen. Make sure that if something grabs your heart, that that's, that's God speaking to you. Write it down. Go back and read it in its context and figure out exactly how God would have you apply that in your life. So you need to have favorite verses too. And it's, it's a wonderful question. I think we ask you, you know, ask your small group that. If you're in a Plum Creek group, ask that. If you're in a serving team, here at church working together to do ministry stuff here at the church just say hey what's your favorite verse while you're making coffee or whatever that's a great conversation for you to have with each other it's awesome and they kind of provide they they, they're, they almost serve as guardrails uh in your life is this is who i want to be or this is where i'm struggling or this is what helps me uh it, and and whenever you start to go off it kind of redirects your path and gets you get you going in the right direction uh, which kind of leads us into the, the next question that we had, which is actually two questions that, that were submitted. But we felt like uh, that they would go together well, and then also it can, it can lead into a myriad of other, uh, other topics. But it was, how should I deal, as a, as a Christ follower, how should I deal with anger and with fear? Yeah, so I'll jump in first and tell you, I like, I like to talk about these two kind of temptations that we're all going to be faced, things that we can struggle with, anger and fear. They're real in my life. I've had to deal with these things and continue to, and you will too. Uh, it'll probably be later today or for sure sometime this week, you'll have to deal with anger and fear. And what I like about them, and in God's created order, uh, he blessed us with a physiological response to both of those, those thought life processes here. And so when you think about anger, uh, you could say, you know, my blood was, what would you say? Boiling, right? My blood, you know, I, I, uh, I, all kinds of different ways that we kind of word picture around anger was going to explode, right? I felt like I was going to explode. There is literally a physiological response to anger in us. The same is true with fear. We would say I was gripped by fear, right? And so we understand uh, the, the true physiological 
uh, body response that we have around these two things. So um, here's the challenge. If we're not careful, these things can almost become defining. So, oh, Doug, yeah, he's just an angry guy, right? Or whatever your name is, you, you just, yeah, they're just fearful. They struggle with fear or depression. They're just kind of depressed. That's who they are. That's not who you are. That's who you've allowed yourself to become based on you are a child of the living God. And he provides for us an opportunity to deal with and to overcome these things. So um, what we just talked about versus maybe if you struggle with anger or fear, which we all will from time to time, you need to find some really great verses. And now watch this. This is so huge. Everybody look at me. When you feel if you're an angry person, your temper boiling or whatever you would describe, that then needs to be an alarm to initiate a plan of attack to counteract your anger. If you're fearful and you're feeling gripped by fear, now that becomes the alarm that says, now I initiate a game plan to be able to deal with, deal with these fearful thoughts. And I really believe that a big piece of this is to really use scripture now to, to help overcome some of these emotions you're feeling. So Gary, yeah. let's talk about how we would do that. Well, uh, so I'm dealing, one of my young sons is dealing with some fear right now, especially at, at bedtime. And, and so scripture says that perfect love drives out fear. And so one of, one of the things that we've been working on is, is just at bedtime, we talk about how much God loves him. No one could love him more than God. And then I ask him, who else loves you? And he just starts naming off, you know, mom, dad, his brother, uh, grandparents, Uncle Doug, Kyle, so many people on staff know my kids, his friends at school, teachers. And, and we just start talking about all these people. And I said, but remember, God loves you even more than all of that as well. And perfect love will drive out fear. And I'm not saying that it, it has completely solved the problem, but it's an exercise that I've introduced into, into his life. And it, I have the long-term the long view in mind here, you know, to how to bring Scripture into a problem, into an emotion uh, that he's dealing with. So that, that's just one, one way. Yeah, and, and I think... It's important for, for us to take the thought captive because here's the deal. It's like just because you come to know Christ doesn't mean that anger and fear are going to go out the window. It's, like, it's almost like, hey, we cross the line of faith and everything becomes rainbows and cookies and unicorns. And, you know, it's like every, it's just, ah, you know, life is great. No, here's what happens is when you cross the line of faith, the enemy goes, you know what? Life is going to get hard. And there's going to be some things that I'm going to trigger in you, and I'm going to know where I can trip you up. Maybe that's anxiety. Maybe that's anger. Maybe that's fear. And what happens is if we allow this thing to, the, the thought isn't, the, isn't the, the bad spot, but it's when we dwell on that and we allow it to grow and we give it a stronghold, we give it a foothold, we allow that to, get, to kind of anchor down into us and grow roots into who we are instead of going, I need to get into scripture and know, you know what? Scripture tells me that God did not give me a spirit of fear. That when he placed his spirit inside of me, he gave me one of power and of love and of self-discipline. And when I begin to dwell on that, instead of dwell on the fear or the anger, then I begin to be able to get by it. It's only when we give it a foothold and we dwell on it that it builds and then it, it, it releases out into action. And so we've got to stop it at the beginning. And that's what it talks about. You know, taking every thought captive. He, wa he wants to yeah. change the way we think. Right. You know, and, and right. Bring, it, bring it into a line with what he thinks about us. Tell yourself the truth. Tell yourself the truth. Tell yourself God's truth. 
I would say this too, as we're kind of coming down towards the end of 2016, heading into 17, hopefully you'll take some time personally to just have a few moments of reflection. And it might not be anger or fear. It might be some other thing that you're dealing with. And, and just be honest about it. Just, just say, this is my deal right now. This is where the enemy's working me over. And then really seriously think about how you could game plan to take thoughts captive. Because it always starts here, right? How many times have you had a thought go through your mind and you're like, where did that come from, right? Like, how is that possible? That's the enemy, man. He knows how to put stuff in our heads, and we all have that sinful nature that we have to fight, so we have to learn how to take our, thought, our thoughts captive. And so whatever trail it is that you have the most tendency to, to follow, and you know how that thought becomes another thought that becomes this kind of almost this downward spiral that takes you to the place, like we said before, where you're described as whatever it is you're, dis- you're challenged or struggling with. Just get a game plan. Listen, go into your group this week and say, here's my deal. If you're, Hopefully you're in a Plum Creek group. Here's my deal. Here's what I struggle with fear. Here's my game plan. Can you help me? Pick it apart. Make sure it's great. How can I make it better so that when I feel gripped by fear or when I'm overwhelmed by anxiety or I worry or whatever it is, this is what I'm going to do this year. Will you guys hold me accountable to that? Will you pray for me? And if I'm really so completely overwhelmed that I need to help to, to work my game plan, is it okay if I call you when I'm angry? You know, let me, you know, take a deep breath, call Gary, talk to you about, your, you know, whatever it is. Not everybody. We all can't call Gary. You need to have somebody. I call Gary. You got to have somebody in your life uh, that you can talk to. But in, in saying that too, let me say this. I think that that is our tendency. So my tendency would be when I get overwhelmed with whatever it is that I just get overwhelmed with the thoughts. I think them all through. And then I'm gonna, I have a couple of people, Gary, I can call Rick, my mentor. I can talk to Beth, uh, my brothers, whoever it is. And I, I've not talked to God yet. Guys, that's not okay. That's not okay. When you get angry, don't call your sister, right? Talk to God first. Initiate that game plan. Flood your mind and your heart when you're feeling lonely. How do I deal with that? Talk to God about it. Make sure that you're reading some scriptures, I'm never alone, those kinds of things. And God will help you to do what Kyle's saying and take your thoughts captive. Get a game plan. Talk to the people that are close to you. Share with them your game plan and have them hold you accountable to that. And I think, too, uh, for... For some out there, you might even be in a spot uh, where it's not where it's going to require not only prayer and scripture, but it might require uh, some some professional help and some medications. I know in my family, uh, we've had to. We, there's been some times that uh, there's been anxiety or there's been some different things that have gone on uh, that have required that. And there's no shame in that. There's no shame in in, in sometimes there's. A chemical imbalance that needs to be balanced out for you to be able to get to the point where you can deal with that. And that is okay. God has, God has blessed people and, and allowed, you know, uh, scientists to come up with, with, with that. And, uh, and so using them in concert together, this scripture and this prayer and, and some of that, uh, I, I, just, I think sometimes there's a stigma that gets attached Absolutely. to it. And we get afraid to get help. And, and Share your game plan that. with your counselor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is a, if there's, hey, listen, if your counselor's worth their weight in, 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 in gold, they will, they will love that you bring a game plan, right? Here's the way I think. I have a tendency to go this way. Can I share with you? I'm trying to develop a plan to counteract that. Here's my goal. And can you also hold me? Get everybody to hold you accountable to it. And that's when we'll see real life change taking place. Yeah. Final question is this. What, uh, what do you guys feel is the greatest problem in the church today? 
If I was to be honest, I'd say decaffeinated coffee. <laughs> but if you knew Gary, you would know how true yeah. that is. <laughs> Thankfully, we serve the real deal. All right, there, there's a great quote that I think will just kind of get us started, guy by the, by the name of Brennan Manning. Uh, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Deep breath right now, everybody. Uh, yeah, because here's the problem, right? We give lip service to the fact that we say we're Christ followers or that we believe in Jesus, so that we're Christians. And uh, we prioritize, speaking to the choir today, to come to service. And so we come to church, we bring our kids to church. Uh, you may even be in a journey group, which I hope you are. Plum Creek groups, groups are awesome and they're life-changing, get in a group. But listen, the reality is this. It's got to be more than checking a couple of boxes, right? Our faith has to be more than something we say. It has to be something we live. And the problem with the world around us is that, um, let's just say you're a person that's just exploring things of faith, and maybe you are today. You're here. You're exploring things of faith, and you've read Scripture, and you're, you're beginning to understand what the Bible says, and there's such significant incongruence in the lives of the people that you know that claim to be Christ followers. And listen, none of us are perfect. And if you're on that journey and you're here today, listen, None of us are perfect. You're not perfect either. We're on a journey. We're trying to figure this thing out. But listen, every single one of us here have to understand that really following Jesus isn't just about saying you do. It's not just about checking a box and coming on a weekend to one of the gatherings at wherever church it is that you go to. It has to be that these things that we're reading, that we're understanding, God's heart becoming our heart so that we're actually living differently. It's impacting the way that I think. It's changing the way that I live. It's helping me in my marriage. It's helping me. Listen, if, if those that do business with you don't see that you do business to the rest of the world around us, it's not okay. Because the people that do business with you should kind of be like, you know what? I want to do more business with this guy or gal. Because they're just so different. They tell the truth. They operate with integrity. I don't have to second guess them. I don't have to think that they're trying to underhand some way, sneak something in that shouldn't be there. They're just different. That's the kind of person I want to do business with. You too, right? Of course we do. So when we really not just say that we love Jesus, but we live like Jesus would have us live, I think this is the number one problem in the church in America today. We give it lip service. Yep, yep. High five. Here we go. But it never changes. It never changes the way we live. Yeah, and, and, and I, think, uh, I think along those lines, too, I think if we could have an honest expression of, of who we are and what it means to be a Christ follower. Because I think there's so many people and there's so many I, students say it all the time. It's like, you know, the thing I don't like about Christians is because they're hypocrites. And, and I think because a lot of times we don't struggle well in front of people. And we don't let people, other people in uh, to, to really kind of allow them to see who we are and who this incredible God is that, that, that forgives us. Uh, I think we, we, we far too often, instead of being self-aware, we might become a little self-righteous. And I think, man, if we could just be out in the world and when somebody says, man, uh, I, I hate hypocrites. And it's like, yeah, I know, I, I'm one of them. And, man, I struggle with that sometimes. And there's some things that I, that I do that I don't want to do. But, I, man, I have this incredible God that forgives me every single time. And he gives me the power to be able to, 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 to move beyond that. 
And I think if we were honest with the world, if we were authentic, if we lived authentically and allowed them to see that, I think that would be really, really attractive. Because they would see a God that has mercy, that has mercy, that has love for somebody that's in process. And that's every single one of us. Yeah, I think if we, we could just adopt the humble, I'm going to be a humble hypocrite. Right. Because yeah. the truth is like we're that. all hypocrites. Whether we, we are people of faith or not, if, if you're a person that doesn't have a faith or you know somebody that doesn't have a faith, they have a set of values that they try to live to or that they hold other people accountable to. But it's across the board. None of us live up to what we say we want to live up to. We, so we are all hypocrites. But if we have this humble attitude about it, like Kyle was saying, that we're in this struggle, but that there is a God who loves me and who I am perfect when I am in him. My relationship with Christ is what makes me perfect, and he is changing me from the inside out. He's changing the way I think. That's what we've been talking about. And, uh, and you know what? Preach, preach the gospel to yourself every single day, that, that we have fallen so far short of who God uh, intended for me to be. And, and when I am focused on that and then realize that with all of my failings, all the things that I have done wrong intentionally, unintentionally, and yet God loves me anyway has, and he has forgiven me, it just opens up the door. It changes the way I think. It changes how I would view other people. I can't point the finger at somebody else when I have gotten myself centered that way. And, and I don't do it perfectly every day because I, believe me, I sometimes point my finger at people. But when I, when I get focused and I'm centered on all that God has done for me, it just changes the way I think and I can't point the finger at somebody else. Yeah, it almost moves like your obedience from have to to I want to. Because I know how much grace, you know, that God has to give me and how much mercy that I require. And when I, when I realize that, it moves it to, I don't really have to do this, but I want to as kind of a, a thank you letter to God by the way that I live. And, uh, and I think that's, that's what people are looking for. So one of the things I love about my job, and it's all, I, I really believe it's part of the calling that God has placed on me in a former life at a different church. I was the men's pastor, and so I love to like challenge the men to step up and lead and so uh men listen to me for a second like you have to lead yourself well god calls you to do that that's no joke and i truly believe with all my heart that when you lead yourself well and listen i'm talking to students here i'm talking singles married whatever lead men lead yourself and when you do, you're going to have an opportunity to have an influence. And I know it's not just men, but I just there's a, something inside of me that's like, I just want to be a coach and just like, listen, this is no joke. Let's get after it. And if you stay focused and you make a heart's commitment to do it, to live different, to keep your eyes on Jesus, to love your marriage in a way that would honor God and, 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 and lead in your marriage, pray with your wife, read your Bible with your family, let your kids see you read the word of God. Let them learn to pray by listening to you pray. Let them see passion inside of you for the lost because they understand it. They said, I've seen it and I want to do it like that as well. I, I thought before it'd be cool if when we finished the, the, the sermons, I would like to just say, all right, ladies, give me just a chance to talk to the guys. You guys just kind of find a way. Get the guys in here and be like, look, this is no joke. Like, I'm counting on you. Get out there and get after it. Get off your butt. Lead yourself well. Let's take this city for Jesus. Are you guys in? Okay, let's go. Let's get it done. 
because I believe this church would be different, our marriages would be different, your kids would be different, this town would be different, people would want to do business with you because you did it right. It would change the world. And so I just, there's something inside of me that just, come on, guys, let's hold each other accountable. Let's get after this. Let's do it well. And I'm not just talking to the guys now, but I kind of was there for a minute. Do it. Let's just do it. And now for the rest of us, let's, all of us together, if we can just get past this, yeah, I'm a Christian. But like it needs to be so much deeper inside of us that we're like, "This, this is not who I say I am. It's who I live that I am. So that people could see it different. And again, like we've said, not perfect, not perfection. But man, we're climbing that hill and we're working hard. We're holding each other accountable. We're honest and we're, we're, we're working hard so that people would understand what it means because they see Jesus in us, not just hear us talk about it. It would, it would literally, I know it's God's plan, right? It, it'll change the world. Change the world. Well, uh, Gary, would you uh, close us out in prayer? Absolutely. Awesome. Heavenly Father, it's just been, it's been good. Uh, it's been fun for the three of us to be up here and talk and, and, and to challenge ourselves, to challenge one another here today, to, to allow the gospel to be so much more than just what we say and what we believe, but that it just has captured our heart to change the way we live, change the way we think, change the way that we do life. And so God, as we, as we leave today, let this, all of these things, these verses, these challenges, Uh, Just continue by your Holy Spirit. Just continue to remind us throughout this day, throughout this week, to live passionately for Jesus, to live differently for Jesus, all for your glory, God. Thanks for the opportunity to be together. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, congratulations. We are so excited for you, and we'd love to equip you with some resources, some next steps, and a complimentary gift. Just text the word FAITH to 40650, and if today you just need to talk to someone or would like to have someone pray with you, you can call our church office at 303-663-1714, and one of our pastors would be happy to spend some time with you. From everyone here at Plum Creek, have a great day.